You my one time, one time love One life, one life love Left it all for you So I spend it all with you Them a chat all day Man I care no matter what they say Baba gotta arrange this to you Baby please don't leave me yo. Oh, 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 come past my way Come past my town Come past my way, come past my town. My guest today on the show is my friend Chopay. Chopay is the current CBC Searchlight 2019 winner. He is a husband, a father, a friend. He's an educator and an entrepreneur. Tune in to find out more. No, first off, we're going to start with this. How do you pronounce your name? Oh, this is. On I need Instagram. you to. Pr- right now. I need you to pronounce your name with all the Nigerian gusto that is in you. Like the whole thing. Yes. Um, wow. The reason why I ask, I have a friend from Sri Lanka, mm-hmm. and he has this thing where he says, his name is somewhat hard to pronounce, but he won't let people get away with it. He says if people expect me to say their name correctly, they should be able to say my name correctly. So this is why I ask. How you say your name? So, Chope is your is the anglicized version. Okay, but the Nigerian form um, form of saying it is Chope. Chope. No, the thing is that I've been through this. I've had this conversation so many times, and inevitably the conversation always goes the same way every single time. Um, Chope. Oh, where's that from? That's Nigeria. Oh, it sounds French. Well, it's actually more like an anglicized pronunciation of my name, just to make everybody's life easier. Oh, tell me, I, I'm sure I could get it. No. no. <laughs> No, trust me, try me. I'm like, uh, you're not. Uh, okay, Chopé. And in- inevitably, I get Chopé. Chopé. <laughs> um, like, people really try to like, do it, and inevitably, without exception, they always fail. So I just make everybody's life easier. They gotta try, though. They just got to. Yeah, but I'm kind of like, the introduction is meant to be a quick introduction that yeah, leads yeah, yeah. into, like, other conversations. Like, yeah. hey, what's going on? How's life? <clears throat> the introduction is not meant to span the entire length of the conversation, right? Fair enough. And that's what always happens. So I just simplify everybody's life. It's what true. does it mean? Well, my full first name is Moshopayolua. So Moshopayolua, mm-hmm. which means I make joy to God. So I kind of took off mm-hmm. the Mo and the Ulua. I just went with the Shopay or the Shopay part, which is really what my family always called me. So that part just kind of like means make joy. Make joy. Make joy. That's really interesting. Now that we have the whole history on your name, I know you did, probably didn't want to start with that, but hey. Uh, how how many minutes are we into this right now? Uh, not long, and we're already talking about how long your as, name is. As, and it, as it always goes, as it always goes on. Which is fine with me. I thought well, that was fine. Cool. Make joy. I mean, it makes sense. You, it's yeah. You do make joy with your musical talents and all these things that. I yeah. try to. I try to be um, a joyful guy. That's good. There's a lot to be thankful for. So. So now that we know a little bit about the history of your name right. and the uniqueness of it, if extraterrestrial creatures came right now and right. kidnapped you, right? Right. And they said, give us a five-minute bio of who you are. Wow. Or we're going to zap you and you'll cease to exist. And you have to give it so well that when they go and talk to your wife after, because mm-hmm. this, this is a contingent upon your existence, okay. they have to be able to regurgitate what you said with specific facts that would make your wife be like, yes, that's my husband. Oh, Okay. So give us that. Five minutes of who is Chopin? Nigerian, Canadian, Christian, who wants to build culture via entrepreneurship, immediately expressed as 
music, um, sort of passion for music, and a passion for education, whether that be formal or informal education, just the act of learning and the act of growing by constantly seeking knowledge and seeking to grow in your understanding of the world. So, I guess that's what I would do. Nigerian Canadian Christian uh, who wants to build culture via, what did I say? Who wants to build culture via entrepreneurship immediately expressed as a passion for music and a passion for education, whether that be formal or informal. Very good. Interesting. <laughs> right. Um, very interesting. <laughs> um, I think that so it sounds like you have a passion to really capture not only the minds of people, but their mm -hmm. hearts and their right. spirit. It's a holistic uh, approach, an endeavor. That's what you're going after, right? Or am I no, I do. I try because um, no human is, is, um, is one of those compartments. The human is made up of all parts, the heart, the mind, the spirit. And so I just try to speak to the whole person right. in a holistic kind of way through all of my endeavors. Absolutely. Um, and it sounds like the music is a way of like... You could use that venue to educate, but also it's like an edutainment. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. edutain, but then you also have the other aspect that you want to venture in and affect people's minds and right. the educational um, aspects, which is great. Where does that, where's the grassroots of that? Where did that come from, that inspiration to want to do that? Like, is that like something um, you, when you were a kid, was there a moment where you felt like, this is where I want to go, just want to do, did, is this something that was passed down from your parents? Where did the inspiration come from? I think to some degree, just a respect for hustle and hard work is something that I saw my dad model. Right. Right? So whether it was um, working full-time jobs and having multiple side hustles, I kind of saw him. Like, he was he was no slacker. He was mm -hmm. always working, always busy, um, always trying to um, build industry. And so I think some of it comes from that. Uh, actually, a lot of it comes from just seeing what it's like to be a hard worker. In terms of, it, like, you can, you can desire to work hard or have a respect for hard work in and then you can you can pursue that as oh I want to get a job and I want to like climb the ranks or that can take on another form which is what I'm trying to do which is more building industry independence entrepreneurship etc. Right. So that other arm of independence is something that I see kind of like developed over the last couple of years. I can't say I grew up as a little kid with a desire for independence or the desire for doing it like wanting to be venture on my own. I did on occasion hear my dad say something like, I guess just witness him, witnessing him trying to do things on the side, maybe sort of planted that seed. Right. Every now and then he would say like, yeah, if you can do something, you know, strive to do that. But it wasn't like, a, like, yo, you have to step out on your own kind of thing. Right. But I think it kind of just developed over time. Once I kind of like dipped my toe into it, and uh, the first way I dipped my toe into it was learning music. As the years have progressed, I just began to, I, I found that the more I do it, the more I love it. The mm -hmm. more I do it, the more I love it. The more I do it, the more I love it. The more I, I develop an ability for it, right? And so it's, it's really just a learned practice for the most part. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is, it, this is absolutely what I was made to do. And, but it was more of a discovery than it was something that I, I kind of knew right. from the onset. It's funny you said that you, um, you got the example of, like, hustling and working hard from your dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just my observation, but I feel like Nigerians in general <laughs> are just hustlers. <laughs> And are tenacious. I think right. the, the the best word that describes Nigerians for me are daring. Right. You guys are not afraid of anything. You, I mean, when you come from a place like that, there's, there's really little left to be afraid of. Like you guys, you guys will go anywhere, anytime, and 
seek to plant your feet and do your best. And yeah. even in academia, you like Nigerians are very successful with education yeah. and different ventures. So I feel like that's a very it's a cultural thing for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, it's true because again, when you grow up in that kind of environment where it's literally it seems like everything, even nature, is against you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, I was in Nigeria a couple of years ago, and um, it was kind of like, it, it was just one of those days where traffic is always bad, there's people screaming all the time, it's hella hot, it's just crazy, it's like, as in, it was as if you say, like, even, even the sun is fighting, <laughs> even the sun is fighting you, <laughs> it's to the point, like, but you grow up in that kind of environment where literally everybody is biting the majority of the people are fighting for scraps. Yeah. There really isn't a middle class, right? Or a very, very tiny middle class. So there's such a big gap between wealth and affluence and abject poverty. Yeah. At the same time, it's also kind of like a land of miracles where you can have a come up in yeah. like a matter of yeah. no time at all, right? Right. So because of that, everybody's constantly trying to make something of their lives, right? Because the a lot of the creature comforts that, that are present here in the West aren't there. Like social assistance isn't mm-hmm. really there government a lot of time isn't held accountable and is very corrupt literally pillaging the the, the coffers of the right. people right so there's this like inbuilt like desire for industry and commerce like you right. have to do something right you have to go to school because mm-hmm. if you don't go to school how are you going to be able to overcome these circumstances or you just got to do something right mm-hmm. you got to be smarter you've got to be faster you've got to be more cunning and so that's just naturally wired into our dna as a function of where we're coming from right and right. when you live in a place where literally police can just drop can stop you with and they have AKs and you just pull you over and you have to pay up like there's really very little that else that scares you right right, right. well you can be driving on the road and you can see like a tire just roll out on you because that's what robbers do they roll a tire cause a car accident jack the floor <laughs> stuff move on. Oh, like when you grow up in a place where somebody is accused of stealing something I mean I'm not saying it's like this now but there was a time Right. Where someone is accused of stealing something, and what happens? Vigilante justice happens, where the whole village to get the person, throw a bunch of tires on them, set them on fire. Like when you grow up in a place like that. Wow. Now I'm not saying the whole country is like that, but there's certain aspects of the country that's like that, that that were like that. The country is trying to reform and become a little more westernized in our approach. Right. But like, I love the country. There's a lot of beauty to it for sure. I want to go back. I I want to continue to maintain my roots there. But admittedly, there's also a lot that makes it a challenging place to live mm-hmm. so when you come from that kind of setting and you come to the western world and you're like oh damn like y'all got this and this yeah. and this and this like hell i'm not gonna take advantage of all this yeah. i don't mean take advantage in a bad way some people do in a bad way but i mean like like hell i'm not gonna like make the most of these opportunities right. that y'all are complaining about this y'all are complaining that y'all ain't got this right 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 where i come from <laughs> so yeah, yeah. what do we do we get to work that's true. We get to work, and yeah. the results show. Well, that's very good. You're obviously you were born in Nigeria, mm-hmm. and where were you born in Nigeria? I was born in Abeokuta. Okay. Um, and, but before, which is sort of like slightly outside of Lagos. Everybody okay. knows where Lagos yeah. is. But then before I was born, we moved to Lagos, and I pretty much lived in Lagos for the first part of my life before coming to Toronto. Okay. And what? How old were you when you came? I was eleven. Now, how was that adjustment? It was it was relatively smooth. That age is such a unique age. It was such a a, a nice age to come because I was old enough to have a lot of key things, customs, traditions, beliefs instilled in me. Right. Practices and patterns, right? But you're also young enough that you can adapt, right? Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, I would say that I assimilated very quickly, maybe a little too much, because there were some things that I was, there were some parts of myself that I was quick to jettison. 
right. for fear of not fitting in, not fitting in, right. being seen as the other, or some of it just like not really valuing it. Like I wasn't antagonistic to it, but I was just like, meh, it's not that important. Uh, but in hindsight now, growing up, maturing, living life, getting married, having kids, and I began to realize that, oh shoot, like a lot of these things are really valuable. Right? Right. So the, the transition was smooth in the sense that I got here, I excelled in all my classes, thankfully started businesses, this, that, and the third, but I kind of realized that there were some things that I maybe kind of overcorrected and I needed to sort of like go back to right. to some of some of the things that, that I, was hold, I, was, I was taught to hold dear. So it was a smooth transition, although admittedly, yeah, there are some things I'm now correcting. Right. Now, when you came over, because I also, I was born in Ghana, came here when I was eight. When, you, when we came over, there was this, like, spoken but unspoken expectation that we were the privileged for coming over. Mm. And so you have to take advantage. And Who was that coming from? Was that coming My from? parents. What was the narrative that your parents sold you when you got here? Is it like, we came here for your educational advantage? Yeah. And, or was it... Or was there something else? Like, what what was it? What was the main thing that your parents kind of, like, stressed for you guys um, coming to this part of the world? Yeah, my, I think my, my parents understood the value of having um, a Western citizenship just on the on the world stage. Right. Right. So they've, they've always had a deep love for Nigeria. We've always had a deep love for Nigeria. Always maintained roots there. But they kind of understood the way the world is. It helps to be a global citizen, to have a global right. perspective, to have access to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention the fact that yes, the West kind of afforded some opportunities that back home did not. Mm-hmm. Right. I never want to discard back home is a beautiful place, right? Especially in today, like especially now, there's a lot of opportunity for growth. There's a lot of the diaspora that's going back to try to rebuild that. But notwithstanding, they kind of understood how 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 the the cards would fall, mm-hmm. um, and they looked at where the country was going. They looked at just the difficulty that some people were having, even with an education back home or just the corruptness of the government or the system. And ultimately, they wanted their, to put their kids in the best position to win. Where um, we're going to come to this other part of the world, um, you're going to have access to a whole bunch of new opportunities, mm-hmm. take advantage of them, absolutely, but then decide how you want to move in the world, right? So right. do you want to take everything you've learned here and go back home, or do you want to stay in this part of the world that is your journey to discover? I mean, they kind of had some preferences initially. Right. But what was that preference? I was supposed to be a doctor at some point. Okay. And that's going to lead into my next question. <laughs> I, was supposed yeah. to be a doc- I was supposed to be a doctor at some point. Um, spoiler, I'm not a doctor. Uh, doctor yeah. of music. I'm a doctor of music. <laughs> right? um, but, yeah, a lot, the narrative was really like we've come here to, to, to get you guys ahead, to put you ahead, so definitely take advantage of it and don't waste it. School, right. school in fact, is a non-negotiable. Right, thing, right. So take advantage of that. Yeah. And I and that's what I agree. I think like in an African home, school is non-negotiable. Like it is something that is stressed, and emphasized. And I think um, it's just because of our the, the places where our parents have been and where they're coming from and what right. they want for us. They want right. the best, right? They want the best. Yeah, and and that's the interesting thing because because I, I was going to ask like because that narrative was given to you and pretty much you were expected to become a doctor right. um, that didn't happen. How did your parents deal with? the artistry that came out of you right. as far as like music <laughs> and rap because again African parents do not have time for the arts yeah. <laughs> they just don't most don't you know and most so don't. I so that's why I wanted to know how did they handle that when yeah. you began to dabble in that and discover that you could <laughs> you know so um I, I'm gonna call my parents some slack and I'm also gonna say like well, I think some some of it was show and prove okay um some of it was also kind of like 
Okay, let me put it this way. Like, my dad is a lot more progressive than my mom was. Okay. Right, so my mom was very, you become a doctor. <laughs> yeah. You can't become anything else. Yeah. It was like, but I think what happened was that when I first started, I, I think they saw it as, oh, it's a nice little hobby that he started. Right. Like, <laughs> cool. It's not affecting his grades. He's still excelling in school. It's fine. And then the years go by. Oh, he's still still doing it. Okay, we're still going to support him. Like, right. we're going to be there and kind of like, you know what I'm saying? But don't let this affect your studies. As soon as we see your grades dip. Yeah, you're gonna, done. You're done. You're done, done yeah. right? But the grades kept up. The music kept up. The musical engagement and activity increased, thankfully, without affecting my grades. Okay. You feel me? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then second year of university came. And I had already been kind of like rapping, doing spoken word for six years at this point. Those six years, I kind of kept it, like, I intentionally kept it low-key because, back to what I said earlier, the more I did it, the more I loved it. Right. Right? The more I did it, the more I realized, oh, I actually have a knack for this and people like this for me. But I want to make sure this is the course of action I want to take. And so I spent a lot of time really just thinking through if this is what I wanted to do. And then halfway through university, I was like, Yeah. This is definitely what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. um, while I, I can go become a doctor, I just don't have that level of passion or rigor or discipline within me to mm -hmm. do it, right? I enjoy it, but not as much as I enjoy this thing, right? Matter of fact, if I chose to go into med school right after this, I'll probably end up dropping out just because of how much stress and mental anguish it would cause me. So halfway through university, I decided music was what I was going to pursue. But I'm a good Nigerian boy, so I wasn't going to drop out. Right. <laughs> I wasn't going to drop out, right? I was going to do that to my parents, and also, I just kind of felt as though, I mean, some people say, like, yeah, that's what you got to do, you got to go all in and throw yourself into it, otherwise you don't really believe in it. I'm like, that's one way to look at it, I think there's nothing wrong with kind of like having a plan B, having a backup plan, and even if it's not a backup plan, just educating yourself, right? That sort of gives right. you, I think, in some way, shape, or form, an edge over some other people. So, anyways, I decided I wasn't going to do it, but I had that, I had to have that conversation with them, and I was like, yeah, so guys, after this, I'm not going to med school. After this, wow. I'm going to try to make a career out of this music thing. And my mom was like, no, you never go. And I was like, how am I going to tell my friends that my son is an artist? My son is going to a doctor. My son is going to a thing, right? And my dad was, took more of the approach of like, yo, listen, like, I left everything for you. Like, we left a successful career, perks, and da-da-da-da-da, and we had to start again. So that you don't have to struggle the way we have. You mm -hmm. feel me? Like, so that, like, I left a high-level HR job to go work security. Not so that you can now start having to work security. Right. feel me? And when he broke it down like that, he was like, listen, at the end of the day, I don't care what you do. I just don't want you to struggle. So, have a plan B. Have a plan B. Set yourself up. Do whatever you want. But I don't want you to struggle. So, do what you need to do to make sure you can provide for yourself and your family. And so, it was a matter of that. Right? That's the thing. Is, I, I, uh, that's... And as time went on, as show improved, it began to happen. I started to get more, like, more established gigs mm -hmm. and bigger audiences. And they began to realize that, oh, snap, there's people who actually like his music. Like, and he's actually pretty good at this. Eventually, my mom came, mom came around. Okay, yeah. <laughs> she came yeah. around and she's like, oh, okay, cool. And then she started encouraging me in the music and saying, have you considered doing this or doing that? Da, 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 da. Yeah. And it was the same thing with my dad, who's sort of always supported. But I think they, they eventually they realize that this is not just a hobby. He's very good at this. He's very good at it. And there's sort of like a trajectory of growth here. Mm -hmm. And he's a wise. He's smart, right? So he's he's providing for himself, providing for his family. He's doing what he needs to do. So I think eventually they, they kind of just accepted it as what it was. Mm, that's good. Uh, so it's, it's a matter of like proving yeah. that, you know, you're good at what you're doing. And they have to see it for them to yeah. accept it. Yeah. Well, um, you should prove that I'm good at what I do 
what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but also I'm not an idiot. Like, I'm not doing this because I don't want to work hard. Right. Like, right. I'm not doing this as an escape because, oh, I don't want to go to school, I just want to slack off. No, that's not the case. Like, I'm doing this because this is truly what beats at the core of my heart. Like, right. pun intended, like, there's, like, the, like, it literally beats at the core of who I am. There's nothing, nothing I have done in all of the jobs that I've had and the businesses I've been involved in mm-hmm. and the things I've enjoyed but there's nothing that moves me the way making music, taking an idea, taking something from idea to conception, to creation, to review, to release, to seeing the reactions of the people when you go perform that record. Right. There's, it's, just, it's such a cathartic and transcendent experience, it's hard to describe for, to someone who's not in that or who right. doesn't have a, a similar passion for something else. And so it really just came down to, like, it's not because I'm afraid of hard work. It's not because I'm just trying to, like, slack off or just be this cool, no, cool guy. No, no, like, this is this is actually the core of what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And there's hard work that comes with this, right? And they've seen me go at it for about 10 years now and put in the work and take my lumps in mm-hmm. and, um, and, and put in my 10,000 hours so they know for a fact, oh, it's not because he's afraid of hard work. No, this is just, this is, this is, this is who he is. This is what he wants to do. So, yeah. Yeah. that's that's really interesting, and I think uh, I mean it's evident sitting in front of you, recognizing the passion that's it's in you for this. But I think what's admirable for young people listening right. that um, you earned your parents' respect right. because you were still doing good in school. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't like because some people get swallowed by passion, that's you know, true. and they're like, okay, that's no, true. I just want to do this. This is all I care about, and then yeah. they like kind of let go of other things, right? right, 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 right. Uh, I mean, rarely do those kind of people that let go actually succeed. Some people right. do. Yeah, it's you know, not the case we, all the time. We hear about the one percent, like, oh, yeah. but Kanye dropped out of college, yeah, and dropped yeah. the most fire like, album ever, like, <laughs> and this guy he walked out of class, like, yeah, dope. You know about them, but you don't know about the other ninety nine percent who yeah. you never heard about. Why? Because. It was the worst decision they could yeah, make. Yeah, yeah. It didn't right? work out for them, yeah. Right, so it's a crapshoot. Like, yeah. you're going to abandon everything. Some people say, like, that's the only way to pursue it. I'm like, I don't think that's the only way. No. If that's what you... Like, this is, ultimately, this is ultimately my view. Make your bed, but be ready to lie in it. Right. Right, so there is a cost, right? So for me to remain in my undergrad for an additional two years, knowing good and well, this is yeah, <laughs> what I want yeah, to Yeah, no, that's... Like, there's a cost to that. There's an opportunity cost. There's a time cost to that. So yeah. there are things I could have been doing to further my music career that I wasn't doing in that time. Right. In hindsight, I'm like, ah, oh, man, like, I could have been so much further ahead. There are things I could have accomplished. Da, 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 da. The point is this. I made my decision, and I'm not going to lament what could have happened. I'm going to live the consequences of my decision. I'm not going to blame anybody else. Right. So if your decision is like, yo, forget it. I'm going to go Kanye on this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to throw myself into 100%. It's a risky decision. I think it's a risky decision. I think there's smarter ways of insulating and mitigating your risk. That's just business one-on-one. That's the other thing as well. A lot of people don't actually understand business. There's just no passion. Yeah. But business and passion go hand in hand. But in any case, if you're going to do that, be ready to live with the consequences. It may pop. Statistically, probably won't. Mm-hmm. But it might. So just be ready to live with the consequences of that decision. Right. So that's sort of like my view. You feel yeah. me? Yeah. You feel me? There's a little bit of OCD in me where if I start something, I have to complete it. Yeah. Like, that's just like anything. I start eating a plate of food, I can't walk away until the plate is empty. Okay. Yeah. You feel me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I start, I, I have to finish. I, it's just a thing in me, right? Yeah. Which and is so, a good so, quality. Right. So, most times, <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah. it can be irritating. But yeah, some, a lot, a lot. I believe anything is doing is worth doing. So I wasn't going to drop out. And not only was I not going to drop out, I wasn't going to let my grades slide. I was still going to put in 100% effort, no matter how disinterested I grew in the material. I'm like, I have a brain for it. I can do it. I 
I want to do it. I got to do it. Right. So I'm going to do it. Thankfully, that kind of that earned some respect. And, like, now, a lot of those things, finishing my degree is paying off. Even though I don't have a regular job, I'm not working in my field, per se. Right. Those things are helping me now. You have I, skills I, acquired. I have skills acquired. And I've actually also been parlayed that degree into other, like, business ventures. Into right. other things, which I, I wouldn't have had had I just kind of, like, quit. Right. So. Just left up and left. Right. So getting more into the music, who was your inspiration when you started your career? Like right. Who who did you look to? What album? What first album hit um, you and you're like, oh man, this is this is fire. This is what I want to do. Like this person really. Moment of truth by the truth. Okay. Was and unless you're in like you're familiar with the Christian hip hop scene in like two thousand and three, two thousand and four, you have no idea who or what I'm talking about. I became a Christian and I started making music. I kind of like I became a Christian and then I discovered I had this knack for music then. Right. And so, uh, artists I was listening to were Truth, Lecrae, Flame, um, a lot of the, well, pretty much Reach Records, Cross Moon Records, and Light Mode Recordings. Yeah, okay. Again, if you're in that world, yeah. you know who I'm talking about. If you're not, sorry. Yeah. It's all on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> um, fire stuff, by the way. And so, like, a lot of my, my music sort of took on that flavor, right? And for whatever reason, that Truth resonated the most with me. And I think that's just because he was a, like, a, a lyrical assassin. So yeah. Like, just on a music level, Christian and not Christian, he was super talented. Second of all, um, his story was very similar to my story. Okay. Right? So, I, so. I, in the sense that he didn't grow up in the hood, he didn't grow up sure um, around drugs per se. Like I didn't grow up rich. I grew up in some like rough communities, but thankfully for whatever reason, like God and my parents insulated me. So even though I was, I had friends who were involved in this, that, and the third. I just never got involved you right. feel me I right. kind of had a good head about me I'm like right, education is important what are you mm-hmm. guys doing over there yeah, yeah sure go ruin your life if you want so just so much about his person and his character spoke to me and then his music spoke to me as well so when I first started rapping I sounded a lot like truth in my cadence and my delivery right and just how I wrote but that's just because you just start right you're trying to figure out your sound yeah you're trying to and find your voice trying to find your voice and then over the years my taste my palate expanded my style of music expanded so over the years my my, in the quest to find my voice, like I think I've, I've, I've settled on, again, kind of like a, a coming back story on, on what my sound is right now, right? And my sound blends, I call it Afrofusion, right? So Afrobeat is kind of the base of it. So um, artists like Fela, Adikule Gold, who some of the other Burner is really popular right now. Davido. Davido, a little bit. Wizkid. I mean, I enjoy some of their music. Yeah. Can't say like I bumped them all the time, right. but I can definitely recognize the talent. So Afrobeat is. is um, is a part of my sound and then I blend hip hop and R&B and so right now my influences span Fela Sade who is like an R&B soul god mm. in my mind um, <laughs> relax it's Christians listening to this when I say god I don't mean god, I mean literally I just mean she's such a she makes great music timeless music some of the mainstream artists you think about in terms of just how they obviously like we disagree on worldviews but like there's things to learn from the Drakes, the Coles, the Kendrick, and on the Christian, there's like this Abby Minio, who I think is also super talented, incredibly talented. So like my my, my sound, my influences vary across the board, Christian and mainstream, mm-hmm. hip-hop, R&B, soul, etc. That's interesting that you bring that up, all those like Sorry. variety of artists and some secular, some not. I wanted to ask, what is your theology of music? Right. So... 
to give an example, Bob Coughlin from Sovereign Grace Ministries, I think right. he does the worship. One of the things he said, I uh, saw him say in the video, which was interesting. So his theology of music is that the lyrics serves the music. Mm. So he's more concerned about the content of what people are singing more right. than the music, even though the music is good. Right. And whereas like hip hop and R&B is so intertwined with the music, like the beat, people, people act act different on the beat you know what i mean some right, people right. listen to the beat and they say this is it right you know whereas um i mean even me sometimes i listen to uh if i'm listening to radio like secular music i get caught up in the beat i'm like oh this is nice right, right, right. but when my wife is listening to the same music she listens to the words right away she's like yeah, yeah. this is trash turn it off right, you know right, 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 right. but um so what's your theology so, on music with regards to like what, what I is yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah, what, so, what is it so i think i i think i do think it's a very it's a dicey thing I think it's something that you always constantly have to monitor your heart on. So there's a degree to which the idea of the lyrics serving the music, I think that's good. I think that's one way. I don't think that's the only way, mm -hmm. to be honest. Uh, I do think lyrics are an integral part of the song, but there's also musical instrumentation, right? Right. So there's that, there's that reality, but there's also the reality of the internal Holy Spirit that I have, right? And so whenever I'm listening to a record, my brain is constantly filtering. Right? Sometimes I'm listening to the beat, sometimes I am listening to the lyrics of what they were saying. And there are some songs that are just like lyrically so like anti-God that I actually can't even enjoy it. Right, just because right. it, I, like my, my brain can't keep doing this kind of like duck and weave move yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, you kind of have to. If, right, yeah. I have to, right? So I find that I generally don't even tend to engage with those songs for any length of time. I may hear, oh, this new song was out by this person, I'll give it a first listen. I find that, wow, this is just too, this is just really far out there. I can't even, I can't listen to any part of this thing mm -hmm. in good conscience, mm -hmm. right? And so I let it go. But then there are other records which have kind of like, not just like little bits of truth here and there, but for the most part, like these, the content, I mean, sometimes I myself, is this something that a Christian could say in good conscience? I'm like, yeah, a Christian can say it's in good conscience, so therefore it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. And there may be like the odd thing here and there that I disagree with, and I guess my brain, I'm just, I just sort of like, trained itself to like filter that out and move on even with that i do have to be mindful about that so i really do believe art whether it's the instrumentation or the skill i think there's something to be learned from there mm -hmm. as an artist as a practitioner myself so i'm always looking to learn as well and i think there are also elements of songs that i can enjoy right so if you look at an artist like j cole for example he may not be a christian he may use profanity every now and then in his records but if you look at the content of a lot of his songs mm -hmm. the most recent songs these are things that are espousing monogamy or being a good citizen like positive things positive beliefs that we christians hold right and he may use profanity here and there to to convey that message but overall that's a message i can get behind that's a message i agree with and so i can enjoy that song i can actually enjoy that song knowing that at the end of the day the message is promoting something that i subscribe to even if i don't subscribe to every way in which this person chooses to communicate that message you mm -hmm. feel me so there's that and there's also just mutual respect for somebody who just knows how to create a really good song right that feels good so there's for me when i listen to a song there are multiple levels on which i'm listening to i'm listening to it on an educational level i'm listening to it on like a filtering level of course and there's also an enjoyment level like if if I can get through these things, then there's a there's a level to which I can just enjoy a song, um, and then there's just some songs that I just can't enjoy because they're just I can't even get past those other two criteria. Right. You feel me? Right. Because it's just like it's there's really too much in this for me to be able to. So my theology of music is such that um, I think there's freedom, right? I do think I don't think you can draw hard stances on oh Christians should never listen to mainstream music. Christians right. should never. I don't I don't think that's wise, or the Bible would do that. I do think you need to be very wise in what you allow to come 
Um, so you're very wise in what you, you feed your mind by what you see and what you hear. Right. So you need to be wise. You need to listen to the internal guidance of the Holy Spirit within you as well. And then just be ready to obey. Right. Yeah. So is, I guess another question is, is all music spiritual? And if so, is there, because there, I feel like some Christians operate with that there's spiritual music and then there's secular music. Uh-huh. And then there's others who may think, okay, there's spiritual music, there's secular music which is like profanity and all this. And then there's like a, a neutral ground where we would probably say jazz would fit in there because there's not a lot of like, mm-hmm. you know, bad content or like all other other music where it's, like you said, it's morally neutral, right? right, right, right. Is, and you, you just said freedom is important, right, 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 to, right? To do that. But so how does, how should a Christian navigate those areas? Like, because some people would say, if, if, if all music is spiritual, right. then that artist behind that music is sending off some kind of message, some spiritual message. Yeah, I don't know that I subscribe to that view because like, what makes music different from fashion, from any, any sort of creative piece that somebody puts out into the world? Right. Right? So I, don't, I actually don't believe in the secular and sacred divide. Okay. Like some things are secular, some things are sacred. Mm-hmm. And that's rooted in scripture. Like... Whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, do it unto the Lord, right? I think the reason we create those categories is that some songs are decidedly for the church, mm-hmm. right? So they're very vertical in nature, mm-hmm. um, speaking about God and his essence and the tenets of the Christian faith, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make that song sacred versus the guy who's also a Christian but chooses to talk about a sunset? Doesn't mention God in it, but just talks about like, oh man, I love the... The, the, the colors of the sunset, the colors that fall, the wind on my face, the mm-hmm. coolness of the water, doesn't mention God. Is what that artist did, who doesn't mention God, is that secular? No. And I guess this is this is kind of like one of the biggest debates right now in mm-hmm. Christian hip-hop. And I don't know if you've heard the song by um, Shailin, mm-hmm. where he, Ichabod, yeah. where he, he calls out Christian hip-hop. Yeah, so, says, going, yeah. Yeah, so, so I guess my question is, for me, observing this, right. I find, okay, so if there's a Christian artist who started off, right. like you described, talking about the creation of God, but not right. explicitly talking about First Corinthians or this and that, breaking down theological truths, if he started off that way, right, nobody would be upset with him if he kept going that way and then he, mm-hmm. I guess, became more explicit about his faith. Right, right. But if somebody starts off explicit about their faith and then yeah. over time they... Right. Now they're like, okay, it's just we talk about God, but there's no, right. there's no distinction, there's no Jesus. Or there's like the world is really accepting about let's talk God. about God, yeah, yeah. but let's not define who that God is, right? right, right so absolutely. that's that's where I'm saying like, how do we deal with that? Like even that song and what's going on in Christian hip hop right now, how how do you what what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, so like I think one of the reasons people get up in arms when an artist goes from being explicitly sort of like forthcoming with their faith versus now talking about neutral things which aren't morally wrong but don't necessarily reference their faith directly. I think one of the reasons people get upset is that we haven't seen that. We've I, I don't want to say we haven't seen that, but we've seen bad cases of that. We've often seen that as the beginning of a downward spiral. Right. Whereby it begins as this, ends up with something else where they've abandoned the faith altogether. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that is only ever the situation, right? I think I also believe the church has not been taught well as to how to think through the arts, how mm-hmm, to think mm-hmm. through issues, right? Sure. There's this idea that um, being a Christian and being involved in the arts, and not just the arts, but music specifically, means that if this is 
if this is what is most what, what is most important to your faith, why like why wouldn't you want to make your music about that? Mm-hmm. Well, the two are not one and the same, right? Because and this this is this is one of the things that helped me realize it, right? If you were to look at God creates beauty in the world, right? And not at the core, but one of the one of the one of the the, the purposes of art is to put beauty into the world, right? Right. So God puts beauty in, beauty into the world, and He allows Christian and non-Christian to enjoy that beauty on different levels. Let's take a sunset, let's take a flower, for example, right? A beautiful flower, a non-believer will see that and will bask in the beauty of that flower. And that's where it ends. Right. But that's an element of common grace that the Lord has allowed the world to engage in. Right. Still brings glory to Him whether or not they realize it or not. The Christian will also bask in that flower. Now their mind will go to the Creator as well as enjoying it. They'll enjoy that flower on two levels. The beauty that it uh, that it emanates as well as the person that created that, right? Right. But notwithstanding, the same God has allowed two different people to interact with that piece of art on some level. Right. Now the same God is also not going to give us explicit truths that says this is who I am, this is how we access me. So God allows art to exist on a level of beauty alone for some people to engage in. Sure. Right. And so I'm like, if God himself has allowed this, there is no there is no mandate that all art you make must necessarily be evangelistic in nature. Because God himself puts art and beauty into the world for people to enjoy just on a level of art alone. Now I think as a believer in your engagement in, in, in as you as you walk through life, you can't hide the aroma of Christ. Right. You can't hide the room of Christ, right? But a Christian is who you are. It's not what you do. Like, it's not your job. Right. Does that make sense? Okay. It's who you are. It's not what you do. So, meaning that if you're able to go through your life and nobody knows you're a Christian, that's I would I would shake my head. Yeah, and I'd be like, uh, yeah. that's a little, that's hard to, hard to decipher, right? But does that necessarily mean that your job will always be intrinsically tied to your faith? Not necessarily, because we don't extend that same requirement to any other occupation. Right. Right? No carpenters, no electricians. Someone say, oh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I've heard there's no Christian dentist, no Christian doctor. Yeah, there's something different about music. You're using words. Okay, great. Let's talk about speech writers. If you're a speech writer and your word is, your, your, your job is in the employee of using words, is there a requirement for you to only ever write sermon notes for pastors? No. We all know, we have a category in our mind where we understand that you can be a Christian and work with words that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be the medium by which mm-hmm. you primarily express your faith. But for, for, but for artists, there's this expectation. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really not founded in anything. And I think it's an attempt at correcting what we see when we see the world sort of go a little too far left. But I would say, if you look in Scripture, there is no requirement that that be the primary form of you expressing your faith. I think as you live and you move and you come in contact with people, the aroma of Christ will 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 be will be very evident. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you choose to have that be your vocation is an absolute matter of freedom. Right. Right? It's an absolute matter of freedom. And for those who are specifically in the arts, your art will never or should never espouse things that are contrary to your faith. Okay. And that's and that's what I, I, I want to ask another question. Right. It's like if, are Christians all called to the Great Commission? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so if if we're all called to the Great Mission Commission, right? And I guess that's what people will push artists, okay, do something that kind of reflects the Great Commission. And you made a good point. Yes, there are things that's within the created order that God has given for both the Christian and the believer to enjoy. 
I took a, a course in university and we went to an art gallery and we looked at some paintings, paintings by Van Gogh. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that Van Gogh was actually a Christian. Wow. So, so you go and you do digging in this background, you find out that, okay, this guy actually had faith and actually wanted to be a pastor, but didn't actually wow. happen. He was like, he comes from like a very Calvinistic like background. Really? And I had no clue. Um, but the thing is that even with me, I think most people do this, when we have an interest in something, we go further to find out more right. about that person right, right. or more about that piece of work. Right, right. So what I'm saying is, and this is what I, this is my criticism against the Christian hip hop right now is that, okay, say you want to be, you just want to put beauty in the world. Okay, right, fair. Right. That's fine. I'm fine with that. As long as you're creating beautiful things and you're putting it out and you know it brings worship to God for you. Absolutely. If somebody goes digging behind the profile, the little right, excerpts right. or whatever, are they going to see a genuine faith there? You know, and, and, and that's, what, that's what I think, they too. Should. But I find sometimes our music is neutral, and then our descriptions in the background is also so neutral that people can't tell if we're actually Christian or if we're just, do you know what I mean? Right. So I think like it's, it's, it, it, right. that's where my, my trouble is with some artists right now. Right, right. Like, I, I'm going to name some. <laughs> like, I, I think Andy Minio is a little bit too worldly for me. That's a I think, uh, I, and, and I think... Lecrae, I respect him so much, and I don't have the context on his life completely, right. so I'm very like careful with what I say. But I find that there's less of Jesus in some of his tweets and just God. Right. You know, um, so that's what I'm getting at. I'm not so upset with people, Christians, putting beauty in the world, mm -hmm. but when we go back to find the information about your life or the, the production of this thing, can we find something about your faith? You right. Know, that so, I mean, I would, I hear that and I would, I would push, I would push back against, I would push back against that a little bit and I would say, to what degree are public figures obligated to reveal, I guess, let me say that, let me word it, how much of a person's personal life, person's not the word, how much of a person's life right. are they obligated to show you? As... As, as a, a public, public figure, figure, as a public figure, I really don't think they owe us anything. Right. I mean, if we're interacting with what they produce as artists, right. That's the level for which we get access mm -hmm. to them. I don't think we're entitled to anything in their personal life, and so for that, I'm not one of these people that says, "Oh, I need to know everything." Like, right. It's, it's right. their business. Their story is sacred. Right. I guess with me, my criticism with the person I mentioned the right. is that we knew he was explicit when he came out the absolutely. 116 crew you know absolutely. and like it, and, and so when you start to hear less of that absolutely. I'm not saying I, to, I gotta hear that every time I'm absolutely. like you know I'm not, I'm not one of those people you know absolutely <laughs> uh, yeah. but, but I just wanna know what's up are, are we still is 116 still there you know like you know what I mean like what's, what's going on I want yeah. a little reunion you, you know, know like, it's, it's, it's totally understandable like and I can't speak for them right? yeah it's fair. totally understandable like and some of it is just on a level of like marketing one on one. If right. you if you start make if you create a brand, don't try to change the brand message. Right. Ten years into it, and it's yeah. gonna be hard for people to understand. So I get that. I totally get that. I think what's interesting is in our understanding of like I guess Christian requirements. So this is sort of like this is the filter through which I work a lot of these things. Even if a believer starts out being very explicit about their faith and then they progressively become less explicit about their faith. There's a part of my brain that says, okay, I hope that's not because there's some crisis of faith, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I know that is not the only reason people make those decisions. Right. Right. It may literally just be a coming of age and realizing that, oh, shoot, there's more than one way to do this thing. You feel me? Because when you... Like, you also need to understand, like... And I think I, I have some, some insight into this because I was in that movement. Right. There's a certain culture. Like, when you grow up in a certain culture, you only know what you know. Right? 
if I only stayed in Nigeria, I would only know what Nigeria wants me to know. Right. And so when you grow up in a certain environment, you just grow up seeing things done a certain way, and you think, oh, I guess this is the way it's done. And so you go about making those things that way. If you're fortunate enough to experience other cultures and meet other people and have different conversations, and then you go back and you begin to actually study, okay, what were, what were those things I were told? And now let me actually investigate them as opposed to just believing them. Let me actually go and investigate them and say, like, is this founded in scripture? Is this rooted? Mm-hmm. You begin to realize that, oh, no, this isn't necessarily the only way. To, there are other ways of doing it, right? And so it may really be that as well, where the person realizes, like, they came up in an environment where they were told, like, yo, if you're a Christian, you have to make Christian-sounding music, right? right? And so... What even is Christian-sounding music? What, like, uh, <laughs> right? What is Christian-sounding music, right? That's a great question to ask, right? But, 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 but for now, I'm defining that as music that evangelizes. Right, sure. music that talks about the attributes of God. Like, this is my faith. I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, God forgive me for my sins. You should come to Christ too. Right. I'm proud about being a Christian. That like music like that. There's nothing wrong with music like that. It's great, right? Mm-hmm. But some people grow up in an environment where they're told, like, yo, if you're a Christian, this is how it's done, and that's just not true. That's just not true. Like, that's not founded in Scripture. That is not even cons- like logically consistent. I can break that down on so That's not logically consistent. Like, no, no Christian ever only evangelizes whenever they speak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fair. Like yeah. you feel me? You have um, you go to you go to lunch with a friend. You're gonna talk about sports. You're gonna talk about the weather. You're gonna talk about whatever. And yeah, every now and then you may evangelize them. Or chances are, ninety percent of your conversations with them are not gonna be evangelistic. Right. So why is it that we put this requirement on the Christian artist? Like if if music is really just a narrative of life. Right. Why must every single song I make be evangelistic in nature? Is it because of the platform, though, you think? But I think that's a, f- I think that's a false requirement. Because it's like nobody lives like that. Mm-hmm. Nobody lives like that. And again, if music is just meant to be a, a soundtrack to life, the experiences that you go through, nobody only ever talks about... Like, as a Christian, every word that comes out of your mouth will be from a Christian worldview. Right. Of course. But you don't always only ever preach. You don't always only ever pray. You don't always only ever evangelize. Right. Talk about other things. From a Christian lens, mm-hmm. but you talk about other things. You talk about politics. Oh, I can't believe Trump said that. I can't believe yeah, this yeah. happened, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't believe Chelsea did this. Or like, <laughs> you feel me? Like, yeah. So why is it that the person who's using music as a way of describing their life, why is it that they can't just be allowed from the Christian worldview talk about life and not be forced to have a gospel presentation mm-hmm. it's just it's not logically consistent right. it's not biblical God doesn't put that requirement on anyone I guess somebody the, may come to this realization and be like oh shoot I came up in this in this environment where I was so this is the only way to do it and I realize it's not okay there's freedom like I can talk about other things or I can talk about things in different ways now so whenever a person makes that transition, it's not only always because there's a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. It's not only always because they're ashamed about their faith. It's not only always because they want more fame. It could be a myriad of reasons that mm-hmm. we don't really have insight to. Yeah. So whenever I see that kind of thing, part of me says a prayer for them and says, I hope it's not a crisis. It could be. But I don't know that it is. So I hope it's not a crisis of faith. I hope you're not ashamed. And then I just go and live in my life. And until I see or I witness, and they're not obligated to show me because I also don't know what's going on in their private life. Mm -hmm. They could be great witnesses for the Lord. But until some public expression of their platform categorically counters the Christian view, there's grace for that. So even if 
somebody becomes like a positive artist, right? There's no profanity, but it's more about like inspiration, encouraging people to love their neighbor. Does the Bible say that? Yeah, the Bible says that. Right? right? That, like, the Bible supports this message. Right. There's a big arc, which is the gospel, but are they required? Are they required to bring that full arc in their music? No, they're not. Maybe they're doing that in their personal life. I don't know. And yeah. it's not my place to know. You feel me? Yeah. So I just look at the public presentation of their platform and say, is everything they're doing within the worldview of the Christian? And if it checks, great. I'll let the Lord decide what's going on in your heart. It's not for me to... Right. right. But we all have choices as to whether or not you want to keep engaging with your content. One of the things that I found so difficult, especially when Christian artists, and I'm not saying that they're not capable of doing this, I think Lecrae, out of most of Christian rappers, has like excelled tremendously. Absolutely. And has a skill to be rubbing shoulders with all these secular ra rappers and whatnot. But I think... Sir, might I also add? I think one of the reasons Cray isn't bigger than he is right now is because he's a man of integrity. Yeah. So as much as people want to give him flack... I think one of the reasons he's still held back. He's by still his, where he is right yeah. now is because there's certain things he won't do. do. Yeah. So all y'all keep that in mind. No, and and and, and, much for and you make a good point. We don't have full perspective on everything, right? But I guess what what I some Christians would say is that conscientious rappers there's a there's a dime a dozen. Absolutely. So it's like if if he wants to be a conscientious rapper, then you you get kind of like you get caught up in the wave of all these other conscientious rappers right, right. who are lyrically gifted and all those things, right? But morality isn't the gospel. It's not. Living a good life isn't the gospel, but it is a reflection of having faith, right? Right, right, it's, right. It's something that God works in us. So I guess most people would push back and say, well, your goal, and that's, I think that's the thing where maybe we need to deal with is that, like you said, the church hasn't really grappled with the arts, how we can deal with the arts, is that do we have musicians out there as evangelists? And if so, what are the categories for which they need to, to operate? And that was the other thing I was going to say. Thanks for bringing that up because, like, musician is not a biblical office. It's not. <laughs> right? The Bible gives a job description for what the pastor is supposed to be, and yeah. musicians are not pastors. They're not, like, quality, quality characters, like husband of one wife, um, not giving to strong drink. Those are, those, are, those are, like, character qualifications for all believers. Yeah. But in terms of the roles and responsibilities of a pastor, which is to shepherd a flock, which is to devote yourself to the preaching of God's word, God's word. Musicians are not pastors. Right. So they should not be expected to have the same response. They, they make songs. They don't make sermons. Mm -hmm. But it's, Songs it's, are not meant to be sermons. Songs can be a mini-sermon if you want it to be, but they're not required to be. But it's the call to... Because all Christians are theologians. Yeah. Right? So it's the call, I guess, maybe the people aren't requiring musicians to be pastors, but they're calling, okay, if you're going to operate in this way... Let's see some, you know, understanding of God coming out of it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but like, what does that mean? The, the explicit proclamation of the gospel, or does that mean about? Does that mean speaking about life in a way that is consistent with a biblical worldview? Right, and and I don't think. If, uh, remember that song that that guy came up. You won't believe your eyes if ten million fireflies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was a Christian. Uh, beautiful song. Yeah, Owl City. Yeah, it was, like, it was a beautiful song, right? So, again, I'm not against mm -hmm. Christians putting beauty in the world. I'm not against it at all. Um, I guess I'm just trying, like I said, sure. if someone goes digging, yeah, yeah. if they dig, can they find that there is a genuine faith there? Right. You know, and, right, right, right. and not one that is morality. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And right. that's what I'm pushing up against. Is right, like, right, right, right. Because a lot of secular artists out there, I'm going to put this question to you. 
Is Chance the Rapper a genuine Christian? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, like, goodness. Oh, goodness. Oh, like, goodness. That's, that's, that's one person. He puts worship music in his songs. Right, right. You know, he talks about God. But then you're left with asking questions. Is he a Christian? Right, right. right. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> this is how complex it gets. Yeah, yeah. It's a difficult topic. I'm not, I'm not attempting to solve it today. For sure. But you, you know what I mean? And you're a musician. That's why I'm putting it yeah, before yeah. you. Because this is influencing you in some way, yeah, shape, yeah. or form, right? And yeah, I want to know, how's it influencing your music? Right. And where is it taking you? Right. Do you know how, how are these things? So, like, so I see, for, okay, for the believer, like, that is that is first and foremost who you are. That's first and foremost who you are. So, what is a Christian to do? You are to um, live out your faith with fear and trembling, and I'm paraphrasing. So, practically, what does that mean? That means prayer, time in the Word, time in fellowship, and time in service. Mm-hmm. You feel me? If I tend to those things, and I make sure I am, in fact, staying in community and staying in God's Word, then when I go to do my job, when I go to do my work, which is music, then it should not, nothing I do should be antagonistic to the God that I love. Right. You feel me? Mm-hmm. If I'm taking care of those categories, nothing I do. So meaning that when I talk about sex in a song, it's going to come from a biblically sound worldview. But when I talk about money, when I talk about fame or ambition or whatever, it should come from me. So for me, I ultimately just ask myself, like, am I consistently tending to my faith so that when I go and put out and put art in the world whether it's explicitly Christian or whether it's not explicitly Christian is it consistent with my world with my Christian worldview right. right the one rule I follow when I make music now is I don't force Jesus into the song and I don't force Jesus out of the song okay right I yeah. simply create because my belief is that if I am again tending to my faith then when I create whatever comes out of me will fall within that Christian worldview. Now, I also have other people who hold me accountable, and sometimes I'll send something to one of my brothers, and I'm like, yeah, I want you to listen to this, like, do you hear anything? And I open up myself to accountability. Mm, that's good. But I, that's the that's a, that's a basic thing. Like, for me, like, music is an expression of who I am. It's like, it's my job, right? It's an expression of one aspect of my thing. It's, it's, not, it's not the primary lens by which I define myself, nor by which I define my Christianity. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah I'm a Christian. So I spend time in the Word, spend time in fellowship, prayer, service, as much as I can, and then, okay, now let's get to work. Cut the beat on. Let's write about something. Right. Whatever comes to mind, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. When the product is done, it may be an evangelistic song. Yeah. Or it may not. If it's an evangelistic song, I'm not going to say, ah, let me turn down the Jesus a little bit. Right. Just so that okay. uh, it's more appealing to a mass market. And if it comes out and there's not a mention of Jesus in it, but it's just good, clean, Afro pop or whatever, I'm not gonna be like, ah, oh, let me make it a little more Christian just so that the Christians can like it and just so that the world can know I'm a Christian. Right. No. <laughs> no. I'm just gonna make music. I'm gonna I don't force Jesus into the song, I don't force Jesus out of the song. Kinda like just let inspiration flow and follow the song wherever it goes. And then when I look back on it and, and I sort of look back to oh, what have we created here? Oh, this is actually dope. It's consistent in a biblical worldview. Great, awesome. Moving on. I'm not gonna try to other than trying to make the song better, I'm not going to try to tailor it to turn up or turn down the JPM, the Jesus per, per meter song. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? JPM. And so, like, for me, it comes down to asking myself, outside of the music, am I tending to my faith? Because if you're not tending to your faith in the ways that, in, in really, the only, really the only ways you can tend to your faith are time in the Word, prayer, Christian fellowship, and service. Right. Like, those are literally the means that which God has given us. His word, his people, and himself. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing those things, no matter what your job is, whether it's music, 
or an engineer, you will stray. Right. So for the musician, your stray may your stray may take on the manifestation of, oh, now he's really trying to he's re- he's really going left or she's really going left in there and, and what they're saying and how they're saying it. For the musician, that may be your stray. For the engineer, your stray may be like, oh, now he's kind of like going to these places that he shouldn't be going or is he engaging in these activities shouldn't be engaging in his you know what I'm trying to say like right. or your businessman oh like now he's starting to be a little duplicitous in his actions mm-hmm. he's starting to cut corners a little bit right because ultimately it stems back to the heart of the issue whatever your job is if your faith isn't being tended to mm-hmm. you will stray as a believer and then that will now manifest in your specific occupation or life in some way shape or form Right. You feel me? Yeah. So for me, I just say, like, am I doing those things? The more I'm, I'm staying in the Word and trying to live up, work on my faith and fear and trembling, when I go to the creation of my art, I don't really sweat too much. Right. You feel me? Yeah. I try not to be straight too much by the worldly influences, and I just create. And mm-hmm. I trust that the Lord is keeping me in check. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So That's a good point. I think that's an excellent yeah. point. Along that line, I wanted to bring up, you were the winner of the CBC right. Searchlight 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? How did you yeah. volunteer for that? Were you recommend, Was it recommended to you? And how, what was the process like? How did it feel when you won it? The CBC Searchlight is an annual um, national talent search competition. Um, if anyone outside of Canada listens to it, CBC is a Canadian broadcasting corporation, one yeah. of the major like um, TV, radio, broadcasters, the major one in the country. So they have this annual competition where they pretty much try to find the best unsigned talent, right, or undiscovered talent. And I won. And I'd heard about the competition for several years, and I just never really pursued it, um, either because I wasn't convinced that I was ready for it yet or that my music was good enough. Right. But then I got to a place where I was like, yeah, my music is good enough for this. And yeah. I kind of saw the ad. They, when they open up submissions every year, they kind of run social media ads, and I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's open this year. I swiped up. I checked it out quick submission, submitted a song that I felt was very strong, which is already performing really well. And then, long story short, I won it. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so, thankfully, I kind of, like, opened up new doors and kind of, like, put me in a new, in a new like, arena, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just thankful to be able to, like, now sort of be in this space where, it kind of, like, goes back to your point as well, where I make a lot of mainstream-sounding music, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna interact with me my personality you're not gonna not my personality you're not gonna interact with me or my profiles long before realizing that this guy's a Christian okay right even though my music doesn't always sound evangelistic like you're going to know eventually that this guy's a Christian right and that's just I think a function of actually being a Christian <laughs> yeah no no and right. that's, that's valuable what do you anticipate for this new opportunity like where do you want your music to go what should we look forward to <laughs> um well there's going to be a lot more music coming. I've been in the studio all summer. So a project is on the way of some sorts. Um, now, is this CBC inspired or this is just something no, you've been working on? This is just, this is just me. So this, what CBC does more than anything is that it gives you a lot of credibility. Okay. And it opens up a lot of doors. Sure. You feel me? So like they actually set up key opportunities for you to meet key players uh, who will then listen to you and judge you. And say, are these producers or artists that are already existing? Uh, everyone. Artists, producers, media, A&Rs, managers, just like the industry, sure. basically, right? And there, there's several opportunities. And so you're going to go. There's, there's also a degree to which, like, you make the most of it, right? So there are the official prizes that they give you, but then the question is, are you industrious enough 
It's also creating new opportunities out right. of this new attention. And what I've been trying to do is that aside from the official prizes which they've given and which they will continue to give, I'm also kind of like using this as leverage to now create new opportunities for myself as well. Right. And so um, I'm always making music. I'm always creating music. Even if the CBC thing didn't happen, I'd still be making music, right? Mm -hmm. So the, CB, the, the music is not for CBC. It's just that now having CBC behind me and kind of have a bigger media partner now. Right. So whenever I have drops, like drops from like music or whatever, I can send it to them and a couple of my songs are playing on radio now or they'll try to connect me to different people to share sure. there. Yeah, so. so people can expect a lot more music or projects is on the way I plan to put out more songs this summer but the CBC thing happened and kind of like pieces moved on the board Right. and so I kind of had to slow down a little bit just to set everything up right so Lord willing there should be at least what month are we in right now? September practically? Yeah. there should be Lord willing at least two more songs before the year is out and then starting next year more and more stuff so, yeah, a lot more music coming. That's good. Why do you think uh, CBC chose you? Um, you know, the funny thing is, like, initially I didn't know because I, I went back and I looked at the submissions. I'm like, yo, I sing, but I'm not the best singer. I, and I was like, I don't, I, I kind of found it, maybe it's it's um, imposter syndrome. But I thought about it. I eventually spoke with a lot of the judges and, like, just trying to understand what the criteria was. And for them, it really just came down to excellence and consistency. Mm -hmm. Excellence and consistency, right? So by the time I won this thing, I'd been in this thing for nine years, going on ten years already. Okay. You feel me? So what they didn't want was to find a new somebody who just put on a new fire record because we don't really know if this person is really in it for the long haul. Right, right. right. The like, one-hit wonder. Oh, the one, like, this is a really good song, but, like, this industry is a marathon. You right. know what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. not a race. Shout out to Nipsey's family. It's a marathon. This year. <laughs> it's a marathon, you feel me? Like, And it's it's going to test you. It's going to take you through the entire gamut of human emotions. Right. And so to have somebody who has a an established track record of songs, and not just songs, but good songs, and good videos, mm -hmm. and he has a social media presence, and he has some sort of a following, like listeners who are tuned in and engaged to what he what he's doing. He may not have the biggest numbers in the world, but the people who he has are tuned in and are locked in. And he's been doing this consistently. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, this guy is definitely here to stay. This guy definitely is not a fly by night guy. He's definitely not someone who just has these naive ideas of how this industry works. Like if you've been in this for that long, you've probably like learned to at least you should have learned a few things. Right. And so for them, I think they just came down to seeing the totality of my catalog of what I had done. So all of like the work I've been doing for years that seemed like little small wins, right? Oh, I did this tour and 25 people came out. Oh, I, and I'm getting depressed that 25 people came to see me. Meanwhile, this person knew 2,500. When I did this other show and 50 people came out. Oh, I released this album and it got these many strings and I did this and I heard this story about this person. Aside from the actual metrics of success, like mm -hmm. also like the inspirational things you hear of people's stories and how the song is impacting them and you're like if you were to compare yourself to other people you think like yo like I'm really making like really minor wins but not realizing that all of these are just incremental wins that are adding to the big picture right so fast forward when CBC comes along and they look at the catalog they realize like oh wow this guy's independent and he's toured Europe like two or three times already mm -hmm. he's put out a bunch of songs like they see catalog and they see history and they see dedication on top of like the stuff is actually good Right. Like, the, right. the product is actually good. So for them, it was like, oh, yeah. We see talent, and we see um, integrity, character, and dedication here. So for them, 
they found some of the most qualified winner, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. That's excellent. Kudos to you. Um, you it seems like all the little drops have created a little lake, and right? now you hope for it to create an ocean. We hope to create an we'll ocean. We'll have something, a future catalog we'll talk, and maybe you'll be too big for me, and hey. I can't talk to you. No, listen, uh, man, listen. Lord <laughs> willing, I, I try to never forget those You've had some good stuff that you've created over the years. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular song that you look back on? You're like, this is like the staple of like who I am. Like this, this song. Like I look back and I like, I love it. Like I jam to this. Is there one song you can point out? Once, uh, one or two songs, whatever you got. I mean, it sounds cliche, but one of my best performing songs is "Come With It." All mine, all mine. So right, so right. Just fine, just fine. True love ain't a feeling; it's an action. That's why we don't run when we lose passion. Yeah, it's through the different seasons. Come with it, yeah. I saw it. It's got the little Afro beat. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. the song that won me the contest. Like, it's the the thing is that as a at least for me, my my music has sort of always been a picture of where I am at that season of life. Right, so there's a sense in which it's it's difficult to say like, yo, that one song defines me because that one song defined me at that point. Right. So when I was a 20 year old guy in university, and I made this song, if you asked me then, I'd have told you, oh, that's the song because that was what I was going through. Yeah. And then newly graduated, trying to figure out like trying to make something out of music slash needing a full time job, and I made a song that was that for that season, and now I'm in a place where now thankfully I'm. Love is constantly in my brain, so a lot of my music is really just romantic love type music. Right. Because I have a wife now, right, and I right. have two kids. So I'm thinking, thinking legacy. I'm I'm thinking, um, future. I'm thinking, um, freedom. I'm thinking of all these different things. So come with it is, like, very telling of where I am right now. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And so maybe that's why it's top of mind because it's really where I am right now. So it's hard to point to just one thing, because every song kind of speaks to a season. Right. So that's sort of. That's sort of how I see it, but yeah, check out Come With It. And uh, I did, it's really good. You should, people should check Matter it out. Matter of fact, Come check out XXY. XXY too. Uh, I like uh, Wish on that. Um, uh, how is your wife and your kids an asset to your career? Oh boy. Um, they are probably the, the most important balancing force ever, right? So there's, there's responsibilities that come with having a wife and kid. Sure. Right? Um, it's joyous. It's amazing, but it's also additional things you have to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, something that a single guy, responsibilities don't have to think about, right? But overwhelmingly, I think of a couple of things. I think of how there's such a great balancing force in this industry that can very easily and quickly take you left. Right. You realize that, no, I've got somebody who has literally given me everything she has, so I have to, it's the right thing to do mm-hmm. and you think that I've got these kids coming behind me looking to me I will not be the guy who does that to the kids right right so there's that there's also the fact that very practically speaking the nature of my wife's job really <laughs> helped my career which was not planned okay which is uh, she works for a major airline okay Worked for a major airline you're an artist who wants a tour <laughs> works perfectly <laughs> you yeah, do yeah. the math free flights you know what I'm saying you do the math and so on a very practical level, which was something, again, I didn't finesse it. I just like, yo, I'm going to go marry someone who works for me. <laughs> that was not a plan. But it just happened that way. So thanks to her, again, some of those things at CBC looked at I'm like, yo, you did this as an independent? Well, I wouldn't be able to do it yeah. if, if her discount didn't come in handy. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, that's saying? awesome. That's so awesome. that's like on a very practical level. Right. Um, and then also just who she is as a person, being very supportive when I'm doubting myself, never... 
never like trying to force me into a regular I don't want to say regular I don't want to speak that as it's a bad thing but never forcing me into a mold like oh I want you to go get a regular job like she's never put that requirement on me ever because she knows that's just not the way I'm wired that's not just the way uh, things are supposed to be so being emotionally supportive being emotionally present actually helping me in my career in very tangible ways and then also just your very present being a balancing force that, that um, just out of love for them and not wanting to do anything that would hurt them. Yeah. But then also the very act of having that responsibility is literally maturing me as well, right? It's, it's maturing me in ways that um, I would never have imagined. Mm-hmm. It's causing me to be a lot more diligent, a lot more productive with my time and with my businesses because I have to, I have to get everything done somehow, right? Mm-hmm. So they have been great assets in that they have practically helped my career. They have been great assets in that um, they have... Um, my wife has been a huge encouragement to me. They have been great assets in that they have also been great balancing forces in this industry that can very quickly pull you left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's excellent. Do you have any other initiatives that's on the go right now? Oh, boy. Yes. That we should know about. Um, so one of the things, it's, it's interesting, right? I, I realized that I have a love and respect for education, right? Right. Whether that's actually, funny enough, whether that's actually going to post-secondary, etc. Or just learning, right? And it kind of dawned on me because I realized that so much of my life, especially since school, has been a, 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 an act of constantly learning. Constantly, like, I want to make, make it in this music thing. Like, what is it? Like, what is required? So you, you, you get to work with learning the ins and outs of the industries. So right. Oh, this is how this works. This is how this works. This is how this works. And you kind of go to it. And then you get married and you realize, okay, I'm still trying to make a thing out of this music thing, but I have to make, like, I have to make money at the same time, but I don't want to be stuck in the hamster wheel and then not be able to give music my time. So you kind of, like, learn different models of how different people have done it. And so long story short, I got a second bachelor's, got a bachelor of education. Okay. That enabled me to get a teaching, which is a, yeah, that enabled me to teach in high schools, right? So what I did was I supply taught, right? Supply teach every now and then. So as I sort of like stopped and I looked back and I realized that one of the side hustles of supply teaching, which is actually like formal education, um, pursuing music has required me educating myself on how the industry works. The more I do this entrepreneurial thing, the more I realize I have a desire for it. But you're not just going to go jump into that. You're going to learn what it takes to actually launch a successful business. I began to realize that, whoa, really all of my life has been about learning. Mm -hmm. All of my life has been about, like, schooling up and just learning things. Learning whatever you need to learn in order to get to where you want to get to. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of sparked this next business venture that I started called The Learning Bee. And the learning bee, or the, the slogan is um, igniting a passion for lifelong learning. Mm. Um, and that's really what we want to do, right? Like, there's, like, anything you want to achieve in life is going to require you learning something. So right. at the root of it, the company is, um, lives for the purpose of encouraging people to love learning. Does that make sense? Sure, yeah. Because you can daydream about this and that all you want, but unless you get to doing the work, you're not going to go anywhere. Right. Right. Whether that's entrepreneurship, whether that's um, being a pro soccer player, whether that's being a recording artist, you're going to need to learn what it takes to excel at that thing. Right. Right. So our passion is to really get people engaged in loving to learn. So wh- what does that mean? Practically for now, one of the, the, the first phases of that is literally just providing academic support to students in high school. 
Okay. Academic support to students in high school again because I, I like I am in touch with that demographic. Um, I believe science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM, are is going to build the the future. It's already doing it right now. So I believe skills in these arenas, these core arenas, are going to be very important in setting yourself up for success. Right. And I just know that things like science and math, kids are underperforming now. Like. At, and and the, the performance rate is, is drastically dropping. Mm. So, one of the first things the company is doing is that it's kind of like tutoring. We have, we're launching a learning center, and we're going to be doing these things called academic boot camps. Right? Okay. So, like, the first phase of it is literally just providing actual, concrete curriculum and support for students struggling with mathematics, high school mathematics. Okay. And the goal is, as time progresses, we're going to include other courses, um, and the courses may range any from anywhere from um, science to business to really like I I have such big visions for the company, but ultimately the company is going to exist to teach people things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or to help people love learning, and that's just gonna that's gonna take on a, a variety of forms, right? right? But there's always going to be an educational component to it. So right now that's helping students with high school math. So that's the that's the first phase of the learning beat. Um, and it's the learningbee.ca. That's the website. Okay. And um, yeah, just stay posted to it, and people will continue to be aware of all of the new additions and all of the new arms that the that the company is going to develop. Just in a in an just just with the desire to get people to enjoy learning. Because yeah. if you enjoy learning, if you enjoy learning, then you can learn anything. Yeah. Right. Even if even if you don't want to do it. Yeah. Even if you don't want to learn it. If it's a necessary thing to learn, if it's a necessary step on the process to your goal, guess what? If you enjoy learning, you will do it. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Anyone running a business will tell you like accounting. Until you're able to hire accountants, it's probably one of the most tedious and boring tasks. But it has to be done. Yeah. So you're yeah. going to have to learn how to do it. And if at the root of it, you don't have a passion for just schooling up and like bettering yourself, yeah. you're just like, eh, I'm not going to, you're going to skip it and ultimately the thing is going to fail. Yeah. So the learning be... Uh, igniting a passion for lifelong learning is the, um, the other venture. That's excellent. That's an excellent initiative, and I commend you on that path. Um, what do you seek to leave if show pays no more? What should we? What immaterial thing do you want to leave in this world that could be transferable to the next? Well, that is a deep question. Um, how did I describe myself in the beginning? What immaterial treasure do I want to leave? I mean, I hope my life ultimately speaks to the glory of God. Of course, I know that I don't want to sound cliche, but like, yeah, I want people to remember that Shopee was a believer. He believed Jesus was his savior. You feel me? That's kind of like the, the, the core of who I am. That has like ramifications for everything. But also, I kind of just, I guess, love for, for bettering culture by putting good things out into the world. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So serving people. Right. Okay, so like, like putting things, putting good things out into the world that serves people. Mm-hmm. Right, so for me, whether that's a song that makes you feel good without compromising your values, mm-hmm. that was a service to you. Yeah, you had a nice moment there, where you were happy, and the burdens of this world weren't there for a moment. Mm-hmm. That's a service to you. If it's a song that challenges your thinking and says, "Ah, maybe you need to fix up this way," that was a service to you because it was to make you better. Right. Right. Um, if it was a song that made you feel a song or a video that made you feel not alone like no you're not crazy you're not the only one going through this that made you feel connected that was a service to you right if it's 
providing academic support for your child who's struggling with this course that's a service to you right. ultimately putting out good things into the world that serve people yeah. that serve the betterment of people I think that would be the immaterial treasure putting out good into the world that serves people brilliant um, last question I promise but this, this one I have to get on record can you admit that Ghanaians make better jollof can over Nigerians that's the end of this interview <laughs> alright alright thanks for talking man. I appreciate it thank you brother